once again for two different generations of professional wrestling fans to discuss about a single matter, an minutia, an individual, a concept, a match type, an event, a time and place, whatever it is, we will talk about that topic until you never want to hear that topic be discussed again like it were Voldemort post the first Wizarding Wars. Yes, it's Let Me Tell You Something. I'm your co-host, Lorcan Mullen. And with me, as always, is the Brett the Hitman Hart to my Jim the Anvil Neidhart, the Honky Tonk Man to my Greg the Hammer Valentine, the Mean Mark Callus to my Dangerous Dan Spivey, Mr. Simon Cross. Simon, how you doing today, mate? I'm not doing too bad, not doing too bad, Lorcan. Um, I must say, once again, you've really risen to the occasion. Mm-hmm. Just uh, throwing a yeah, cheeky little... Um, Illusion. Pun in there. Oh yeah, yes. A little uh, aspersion as to what we're going to be doing today. Um, it's it's a concept you pitched to me, and we, we've we've debated well, like back and forth um, over what exactly uh, we're going to include in this. Um, I'm going to like give you the platform. Okay. Take it away. So we are going to do a trilogy, not part of the loose fandom trilogy of episodes that we've done two of so far. Uh, the the one about the internet with Matthew and the one about the wrestling fan himself or herself with Robert Duffin. This is going to be a short, self-contained trilogy of episodes we thought would be best to record around the time that we are recording, which is like 48 hours away from the WrestleMania 34 pre-show starting and probably <laughs> a good 53 hours until the show itself starts. Um, or... Oh. And a few days to end. Yes. We're going to talk about, maybe, if you were to ask the man or woman on the street to name a professional wrestler, family fortune style, we had to ask 100 people. I think this is a name that will 
be alongside the Hulk Hogan's, the Rocks, the Stone Cold Steve Austin's, and the John Cena's. And we're going to look at him from three differing perspectives for each part of this trilogy. We're going to look at the man, we're going to look at the myth, and we're going to look at the legend. But we're going to loosely define what we mean by those terms as we discuss, in my opinion, the greatest artistic achievement in Vince McMahon and the WWE's history, The Undertaker. Yes, it's a... um... Intriguing one. We, we we couldn't really fit it into one episode. No, you can never do it. Or you'd make a um, epic three four hour one. Um, we don't. We've done that in the. We've done a three hour one in the past, and I'm not against doing it in the future. But I, I like the idea of breaking this into three separate chunks, which I sort of explained to you, Simon, and, and now I'm going to explain to the audience. So, we're going to do the man, the myth, the legend. But uh, but my, I'll I'll cop to it. My definitions of those terms are a bit looser than you might think. By the man, we're going to talk about The Undertaker, the wrestler. The man who has the wrestling matches in those four corners with three ropes. And sometimes he'll do a dive to the outside. Then we're going to talk about the myth of The Undertaker. And that is going to be the character of The Undertaker. The presentation of The Undertaker. The bells and whistles, the entrances, the music, the costuming... All of those different parts of The Undertaker that have evolved over the near 30 years coming up that he has been an active part of the WWE's roster. And finally we're going to look at the legend which is The Undertaker as a whole. Uh, What is his standing in the history of wrestling? What will be these good attributes when you look back at it? What will be his bad attributes? What will we think of when we think of The Undertaker in 20-30 years time or even maybe later than that? And whether someone like The Undertaker could happen again. Um, so those are the three criteria. Simon, are you happy with those as I've laid them out? Yeah, yeah. That, that works for me. That, 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 I think that's a good, clearly defined structure there. Okay. Well, let's get started on the man or the wrestler of The Undertaker. Now, this is a, an interesting thing. I think if you were to... I think nowadays it's very strange how much importance seems to have been held with every passing year. Greater in, um, influence has been Dave Meltzer's star rating systems, or the, or the notion of star ratings in wrestling. Like now, when Dave Meltzer drops a five star rating on a match, especially if it's not like a New Japan match, it's it's considered big news. Um, Now, if you were to look at The Undertaker, and if you were to attribute star ratings to his matches since he joined the WWE in November of 1990 at the Survivor Series, I can't imagine there'd be many matches that would break the three-star barrier, uh, even less so the four-star barrier, until maybe around 1996 time. Um, And I think that's because this was coming from a time when it really did not matter how many star ratings you got in a match. I mean, not to say that it matters now to The Undertaker, but I think to uh, a large portion of the wrestling world and a large proportion of wrestlers now, it is important to them that they have a great wrestling match. And that was what The Undertaker was having. Well, yeah, when, when we came into the prep for this part, I knew straight out of the gate you and I were going to have very different 
initial perceptions of like an Undertaker match, considering my starting point with being a full-time wrestling fan and your starting point with being a full-time wrestling fan, um, I was more used to sort of the the more athletic Undertaker, the brute but in a fast-moving way kind of thing, kind of like. I mean, to draw comparisons like Kane at his like athletic peak uh, in terms of like had a bit of top rope stuff. Well, the second didn't have top rope stuff, but he had old school, which was as close as you were going to get before he started doing his like suicide dive and just went full on mental. Um, it's always it's always weird. It's, he's, he is the Benjamin Button of WWE when it comes to movesets, I feel. Mm. Um, and it must have been really frustrating for him to like be so young and be so limited as to what what he was um, allowed to do in the ring. Uh, I do wonder if that was frustrating him or if it was just the way that wrestling worked at that time. The notion of a wrestler having to have great matches, like great matches on an artistic level, and for that person to also be at the top of the card, was really not a thing in the WWF until Bret and Shawn Michaels really started to change that do you think that was because the present i mean i know we're blurring a lot i'm going to blur lines a little bit here but do you think that was because the presentation of the character was more paramount to the storyline well yeah i mean that the character superseded um the undertaker as a wrestler what he could do there were certain things that he didn't need to do because of the way that he was presented as essentially a wrestling zombie that is really mm. what the Undertaker's character was. He was literally impervious to pain. You could stagger him, but you couldn't hurt him. He would never yeah. show discomfort. He would never mm. be even close to considering submitting to a hold. He could be knocked down. He could be taken aback. But even then, it would be very brief periods of time. Like when Hulk Hogan pinned him... Back in those days, it was really the, the the matches I recall seeing. It was mostly roll ups, and mm. like, I can't recall him really holding the Undertaker down for a three count. And at the very least, the Undertaker not sitting up almost immediately afterwards. There's actually a funny match that I caught in in a, a couple of, uh, about a year ago. I was on a on a blog post, and they were discussing the Battle Royal at the Royal Albert Hall show part of the European Rampage store of um, 91, late 91. And someone found this YouTube clip of Tito Santana not only wrestling The Undertaker, but defeating The Undertaker fair and square in a match in Spain. He, like, waffles him with, a, with the uh, urn, and he pins him for the 1-2-3. <laughs> And right. that is quite a sight. <laughs> You're gonna have to put the link up for that one because yeah. I, I don't think a lot of people on here will believe what you've just said there. It might it, have to put it up on the Facebook post. We'll actually update that page for once. Yeah, yeah. We're not dinosaurs of social media at all. No, no, it's just someone's our social media guy and he doesn't really do much, does he? <laughs> alright, alright. There's two <laughs> two, two sides to every story. Wow, I'm getting what's a kick your, in here. What's your side? <laughs> you can't be asked. <laughs> oh, you've gone from passive aggressive to active aggressive. 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 <laughs> yes. This was supposed to be about the Undertaker. Um. Anyway. Uh, so yeah. The, 
yeah, the fact that you mentioned that, I mean, that, that baffles the mind for me as obviously someone who didn't live through the period, but footage of early Undertaker is, as you say, he is just pretty unbeatable, really. And also his matches are very one-dimensional. He yeah. pretty much throttles them against the ropes, throttles them in the corner, throttles them on the ground, and then maybe does a thrust at, to the ch- the neck and... That's pretty much it. And then it's yeah. Tombstone. I don't think the Choke Slam was even a part of his repertoire until the mid nineties. I might be wrong mm. there. But the the heel Undertaker of that first year and a half was just um indestructible. I mean he was losing matches to the Ultimate Warrior on the house show loops and, and having those body bag matches. Um so he was beatable in a live event setting. But to a TV audience, which is what I was for The Undertaker, always have been by one event, he was just unstoppable. He was... You couldn't even comprehend a way that he could be pinned because he did seem to not feel pain. And also as a child, I wasn't bothered about the fact that those matches were quote-unquote boring matches. They were... The, the, the boring nature of it almost seemed part of the character. Um, and also, when you're young, you don't have any understanding of quality control in a weird way. You don't have much in the way of critical faculties. Every <laughs> movie is great. Every TV show is great. Every song in the charts is great. There's probably some kids out there who like Norbit, for God's sake. Yeah, absolutely. Um, there. Are, well, look, I mean, one of the things I've said is the biggest lesson I took in the year and a half I worked at HMV is that there are people out there willing to put down £20 for a single DVD copy of White Chicks. <laughs> and these are grown-ass people with access to £20 of disposable income at least. So You would hope more than £20 of disposable income. Yeah, I, mean, I wasn't going to ask the guy. <laughs> but it was, yeah, yeah. And, and, talking, and so many of The Undertaker's matches at that time were the White Chicks of wrestling matches as far as... <laughs> giving them a star rating would be concerned. But again, this was a time when it didn't matter in the slightest that a wrestler was a bad wrestler. You know, Kamala never had a great match and he was always a dependable upper mid-card main event fixture in these days. Abdullah the Butcher, um, you know. The, 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 to, to be a great wrestler was very much like a southern wrestling requirements yeah. of the NWA, Luthez type. The New York Vince McMahon type. It was very much character presentation, size, size, and 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 you know the Undertaker had all of those. He had a, a fascinating character. He had great presentation. He had the size. He was. Yep. He was also always agile. I mean, you look back at the mean Mark Callis version of the Undertaker, Mark Calloway, uh, as a, as a wrestler before yeah. he was given this gimmick. He was your standard big man, but. Uh, points were made towards his uh, agility and balance. He did the, he didn't do old school, I think, but he did like walk the ropes at the top to deliver a, a top rope elbow as a finisher. I was going to say elbows. Yeah, yeah. But he was, but he was of that mold of Dan Spivey, and, and I mean, not even Sid Vicious, because Sid Vicious had that manic charisma that the Undertaker didn't have at that point. The Undertaker did have a charisma, especially when he got put with that gimmick. But he didn't. He didn't have that psychotic energy. Again, there's another example: Psycho Sid. Unless you know you're Shawn Michaels or Bret Hart, you're not getting a good match out of that guy. But he was 
um, you know, the only two WrestleMania matches that man had were both headline matches of WrestleMania. Yeah, I mean, it it sums up obviously we've we've sort of migrated to like the general style at the time, but you sort of have to look at that when you look at the Undertaker's yeah, you have to career. look at things in context. Yeah, uh, but then he sort of shifts a little bit. Well, with the face like, turn, he has to. Yeah, and then obviously, like uh, I'm thinking, like more towards the Attitude Era. Could you? Could no? I think we, need to, we was... need to talk about Babyface Undertaker before we get to Attitude Era Undertaker. We've got to talk about that '92 to '96 time where he's pretty much facing the monster of the month. He goes through after after he beats Jake the Snake Roberts at WrestleMania. Then it's you know it's um, Kamala, Giant Gonzalez. King Kong Bundy, Yokozuna, Diesel, Karma, these these big either monsters or similarly big characters and or, or, or in the case of the time when he's feuding against the million dollar corporation, an entire faction of wrestlers. Yeah. And Do you think um So the vulnerability has to come in, in finding people that are even more larger than him in the case of Gonzalez or you know, at least of an equal weight, if not an equal height, as with Kamala and King Kong, King Bundy, Kong Bundy and, and the like. Yeah. Do you think he handled that well? Um, I think he handled his... it as well as he could. The crowd still cared about him. He was still an important part of the furniture throughout that yeah. entire time. He was his own. He he very much. I mean, when you look at it, Andre the Giant essentially retired as an on-screen character in April of 1990. Mm. The Undertaker debuts in November of 1990 and really takes his place as the special attraction. Andre the Giant had Big John Stug, Killer Khan, um, Kamala again. <laughs> Gets around. <laughs> yep, yep, all of those. Uh, Hulk Hogan, you know, it, it, it's the, the, again, the invulnerable baby face that, ha- that, that is separate from that world title picture, doesn't really interact with most of the main wrestlers on that roster. Like, if you if you wrestle The Undertaker, there's a decent chance you're in and out for the entirety of that feud and, and rarely interact. Like, the Giant Gonzalez barely interacted with anyone other than The Undertaker in his yeah. entire time in the, in the promotion. Probably for the best. Yeah, and, and maybe now you could argue that after The Undertaker's retiring now that Braun Strowman is going to take that mantle up, possibly. Possibly. He might he might not be kept separate from the main roster for the most part because I don't think you can do that as much nowadays. No. Um, but and 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 again, when the Undertaker was repackaged once again as the Dead Man, they sort of did that with Heidenreich, and every every once in a while a monster would be put up against him, and he would vanquish that person. Um, but to go back to ninety two, ninety three again, it's like his invulnerability is now. Um, I guess just to sign up, like he's a superhero, like an yeah. alternative superhero. I guess this was kind of the year, the days of Spawn comic and those sort of edgy characters being unusual superheroes. But it's maybe, a hard maybe balancing. Maybe again, a precursor to that attitude era. But yeah, you know, like yeah. Undertaker wasn't some great symbol of nobility. He was just a cool character. Yeah, but, and it's a very hard balancing act for like a big babyface monster to. Be monster-like, but simultaneously show the appropriate level of vulnerability. Um, and to his credit, he, he handled it well. I mean, that's you're starting to get into the early parts of um, of obviously clips that are famously going around, go around and do the rounds, like his um, Giant Gonzalez match. I think 
the outdoor aspect of it as well mm. really adds something to it because the way they like shoes it, which makes Gonzalez look bigger. Mm. Um, I, th- I think they also get a, yeah, they sort of shoot underneath, and every time they can, they get the Undertaker to stand up to him so that you realise that this giant of a man who usually is a, a, a head taller than most of his opponents is now a head shorter than this guy. Yeah. My guess is that if the Undertaker wore lifts for most matches in those matches, he didn't. Yeah. Uh, it's always funny that, like, how Andre the Giant, even though he was as huge as he was when he'd have interviews, they'd have him stand on a box to look even <laughs> taller than he was. <clears throat> You've got to accentuate it. It's like yeah, how... Yeah, it's, um, it's just funny. It's just funny that... Uh, it's like how Tom Phillips has to interview with his legs really far apart yeah. to shrink his height. Yeah. Uh, especially the, those tight suits the young men wear these days. That's just <laughs> The young them. men? Yeah. Oh, God, you're aging yourself here. There's a great photo of, like, the NFL draft, I think it is, back in, like, 2000, and it's just a bunch of awkward-looking blokes with off-the-rack, ill-fitting jackets that they obviously just bought from a store or something like that Mm. and they're all very dull black gray and now they're all these you know diamond earrings and they've got all these bespoke tailored suits of a variety of different colors and it's it's interesting um and we'll get to the different presentation of the undertaker over time in in the myth episode but the Undertaker as a wrestler, like I said, he, he's it's interesting as well that he's probably the only one that came that was given the a, a similar thing to Hulk Hogan. Really, the last person after Hulk Hogan to have that moment of utterly, I, I haven't felt a thing with the sit up. I guess you could say with Shawn Michaels' nip up as well, that was a similar sort of babyface fire moment. Uh, a little bit different. Yeah, the nip yeah. up was more like a surge, of, like part of a surge of energy, yeah, whereas yeah. the sit up or the um hawk up is is more of a um it's more of a right like the, the sw- a switch has been flicked whereas the also, sort of like part way through and it also provokes a reaction from their opponents like yeah on hulk hogan hulks up or the ultimate warrior hulks uh warriors up there's a look of incredulity on the face of his opponent who keeps trying to hit him and he's not feeling anything uh, when Shawn Michaels does the nip up, it's usually his opponents down as well. They're coming from a double knockdown spot. Yeah. Whereas when the Undertaker does the sit up, it's very much often, you know, very often is to provoke a look of fear in the opponents. Fear slash again incredulity. Yeah, and it's it's a, it's 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 an interesting way to look at it. Is that. The Undertaker as a wrestler, gradually the, the psychology of his matches and the psychology of the character became a facet of the character because they would say that he was playing mind games with his opponents. Yeah. And I think that that's where the gradual... like the, As he as he was humanised as a wrestler, the idea was that the presentation of the Undertaker, which we'll talk about in the next episode, was, was really a means to get into the mind of his opponents. It was like bells and whistles, like like how Prince Nazim Hamid might do a long, elaborate entrance to get into his opponent's mind and get them frazzled, or doing a bit of Alex Ferguson smack talk or something like that. Once again, aging yourself terribly here. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you know, I, I'm I'm just I'm just watching. Uh, you just caught me when I was watching repeats of Noel's House Party on UK Gold. <laughs> so I'm in the mood for it. Um. <laughs> But yeah, that that. But it's also interesting with the Undertaker is how he. I think one thing that was interesting again. This is also this kind of again 
well, the, the past will bleed into each other, but I think also The Undertaker, how his hair was worked, affected the matches. Back uh, when he started as the heel, he had the hair combed back, and you saw his face, mm-hmm. and it was pale makeup. But then, when he became babyface, very soon after, the hair was sort of pushed to the front, and you could barely see his face for a large portion of the match. And it would allow, like, it's a whip round, like a lot of, one of the reasons why a lot of wrestlers have long hair is so that it whips back when, he, the visual when they take effect. a hit. The visual of it works really well. And that worked with The Undertaker as well. When he would take a shot, his hair would whip back. But also, again, keeping that aura of mystery, you couldn't even see his face when he was wrestling for most of the time. Yeah. So that when he did sit up and you could often see the eyes or you know you pull the hair push the hair back and suddenly his eyes are rolled up in his skull and you're just seeing the whites of his eyes and everything that was another uh, part of it but which, I guess sorry go on. which is a little bit counterproductive in some ways because you'd think as the baby face you'd want your face to be more exposed to those facial expressions when you're selling but again the Undertaker and, and selling it, it's a bit of an unusual relationship mm. like across the whole period of his character I mean obviously uh, it's more pronounced when he's a baby face because baby faces are often like backpedaling, but mm. it doesn't really happen. No, like the Undertaker will eat. Well, he kind of will and he won't eat up the majority of uh, moves. In that he might take more hits in a match, but that's because it doesn't seem like anything hurts him. Yeah, it's 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 of no consequence to him. I think it's it's part of the mind games. It's part of the plan. It's part of his like endurability. Another trait of his, which is. Uh, mm banded around so from that 92 to 95 period where he's knocked down but he gets up again you're never going to keep him down <laughs> chumba <Chumbawamba. laughs> um uh then really i think one of the big turning points was the feud with diesel um where he did take a big beating and, and it was like a, a battle of two equals almost um and then immediately followed that up with his feud with Mankind, where Mankind actually got the better of him for quite a while, and he lost Paul Bearer. And he so, had a um, terrible win-loss record against Mankind for ages. Really, he didn't really. He just lost two pay-per-views to him, and it was very rare for The Undertaker to lose one pay-per-view. But, well, that that it's it's yes, contextual. <laughs> I get that, but then he yeah. beat the but then he beat mankind at buried alive. Then he beat him at the Survivor Series. Then he beat him at King of the Ring, and he beat him and he beat him and he beat him. But because Mick Foley beat him twice, <coughs> that's a really big deal. Well, it was in those it like yeah, was in those days. It was, it was yeah. in those days, and. That humanizing of the Undertaker gradually happened. Uh, took more became more and more prevalent he still did the sit-up yeah he could be hurt he could cry out in pain especially by about 98 99 time and especially when we get to american badass undertaker yeah to go to that point obviously as the attitude era is in full flow and obviously the undertaker again he sort of just like just tweaks the level slightly and just becomes slightly more vulnerable do you think that's because there were so many, like, big hitters who rarely lost going up against him? Like, Part on, I, he was, I mean, he was, you think Mick Foley had a great win-loss record against The Undertaker. I'm pretty sure Austin had by far the yeah. the the better of The Undertaker in their encounters during their but whole it would, together. 
Yeah, but it would never but be simple. Well, I, think, for I, think what it was, I think what it was was that The Undertaker was interacting more with these wrestlers from 97 when he won the WWF Championship from Sid. And he's just an active part of the roster and he's interacting with everyone. He's interacting with Bret Hart and Shawn Michaels. Not just intermittently, like he would be dropped into that title scene for a couple of months, but then he'd just go off into his own little world. From yeah. 97 to 2004, he was an active part of the roster. He would wrestle everyone. He would. He took a loss to test, I remember, in a tag team match once. He was fallible. He was vulnerable. Yeah. He, was, he was still tough as all nails, and he was still, like, one of the toughest, you know, one of the... It was very hard to beat him, and a lot of people got very angry at his selling in some matches. I remember people were furious at the way he treated Kurt Angle in their fully loaded match in 2000, that he just swallowed up all of Kurt Angle's um, offense and, and just pinned him with what seemed like little trouble. A lot of people saw that. I remember a lot of people being furious at that, and this was when The Undertaker was quite heavy for his... You know, for his time in the promotion, and he looked old, even though now, you know, that was eighteen <laughs> years ago. But at that point, he'd been in the promotion for a decade, which had been unheard of in in this era of, of WWF, WCW, moving backwards and forwards between. The yeah, two. like no one had really done that. Yeah. Apart, well, yeah, at all at that at that stage. Yeah, Brett right, had, had Brett had had a thirteen year run. Tito Santana was around for a very long time. But yeah, the Undertaker, and also a specific gimmick, a specific character that was invented within the WWF. Like if he went to WCW, he wouldn't be able to be called the Undertaker. I don't know what they would have done with him. The Grave Digger. Well, yeah, I don't know. I guess I don't know. I'm not sure how they would have done that. Um, and I'm sure it was considered at some point or another. If the right offer was made, he would have taken it. But... Oh. No, I don't. Yeah, I, 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 I find it hard to believe that there was no offer. No, that Eric no. couldn't have made. The Vince but could, the, you know, you have to think around that time he was getting offers a club like because it was Ted Turner's checkbook. You we got don't know. Well, we don't know off. that. We don't know what was being offered when and by how. You'd have to look back yeah. at old Observer articles. But just out of curiosity, Simon, I'll take a little break at this point. What do you think was the first match that Dave Meltzer, I've got it here, rated that included The Undertaker that went either four stars or above? First of all, why don't you get, give us what year do you think it was? Oh. Um, I'm going to say 2004. Lower. Ooh, lower. Okay. Um, 2000? Lower. 96? Higher. Ah, come on. Um, 98. Lower. That's the difference. 97. Press yes. elimination. How did you get that? <laughs> <laughs> was it um, Was it a SummerSlam match that year? With Bret Hart? Yeah. No. But Bret ah. Hart was in the match. Was it that... Oh, God, it was in Canada. That Team USA versus Team Canada match. The Undertaker wasn't in that match. Are you sure? Yeah. Well, there was yeah. a flag match that was on Raw. But that's... Yeah. I was thinking you were thinking about the Calgary Stampede. No, I was referring to the flag okay. match. Well, no, it wasn't that. Ah. Oh. Ah. Oh. To, to put our listeners out of their misery and myself. It was cast- the Fatal 4-Way at the Final 4 
at February 1997's In Your House event, where it was him, Bret Hart, Vader, and Stone Cold Steve Austin ah. in a four-way elimination slash battle royal match to decide who would hold the vacant WWF Championship, which Bret Hart won in the end by clotheslining The Undertaker out of the ring. Okay. So it was like an elimination battle royal. Well, what it was is because they were the four that were in the Royal Rumble when Austin was eliminated, but not really eliminated, and then those three were the people that he chucked out afterwards. Right. And so then Shawn Michaels lost his smile, and so they had to give the belt to someone. So they figured Austin, who won but didn't really win the Rumble properly, and the three people that he sort of screwed over. So, yeah, didn't really win. Yeah. 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 Didn't really lose the Rumble, basically. Makes sense. Yeah. So, the 97 run that The Undertaker had as as a champion, and that was then what led to him having those matches with Shawn Michaels, which were probably the first ones to just show you. And he also um, had... He just basically... The pace of the matches went up so much, and The Undertaker really got to shine at that point. Show that he could go with a Shawn Michaels and a Bret Hart, and he could keep up to their pace. They didn't have to go down to his pace. He Mm. could keep up with their pace, and he could... He was still dominant. You know, he beat the crap out of Shawn Michaels during that Hell in a Cell match. Yeah. Which, incidentally, was the first five-star match that Dave Meltzer gave to... Ah. And was the last North American five-star match for seven years... Do you want to guess what was the next match to get five stars from Dave Meltzer from North America? Was it 97, the Hell in a Cell match? That was 97, so seven years later. 2004. Mm -hmm. No, no, no. (laughs) It was the second of the trilogy of matches in Ring of Honor between CM Punk and Samoa Joe. Ah, yeah, okay. And that went to a 60-minute time limit draw. Yeah, that one. I remember because like, the commentators like stopped commentating like halfway through just to mm. watch. Mm. So there's another little factoid for you there. Dropping so, some knowledge to the list. So, yeah, but as quickly as The Undertaker had that pace, I think 98 was very unfortunate. For, I mean, 98 was probably one of his best years as a moneymaker. Yeah. Uh, as far as being there when the Attitude Era happens and the SummerSlam 98 match with... Austin and his run with Kane and his Hell in a Cell match with uh, Mankind. But he was walking wounded for a long time during that period. Like famously when he wrestled Mankind at uh, King of the Ring he was wrestling with a broken foot. And and also having to carry Mick Foley in that match. This is an interesting part of it as well I guess. The Undertaker as a ring general. When People like Bret Hart and Shawn Michaels and the like say, and like every person in in wrestling doesn't seem to have a bad word to say about The Undertaker as a a leader of men. And that goes as far as in the ring. He can lead a match because obviously Mick Foley was knocked silly and 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 The Undertaker had to basically wrestle a match against himself for a good while afterwards in that match. And with a broken foot and everything else that he was suffering from. I didn't know he had the broken foot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And two months later, when he wrestles Steve Austin at at SummerSlam 98, probably the biggest match of that year, I would put that ahead of the WrestleMania 14 Austin-Shawn Michaels match, as far as an anticipated match that had the crowd. I'd be curious to see what the buy rate was for that, actually, in comparison to WrestleMania. Obviously, WrestleMania had Mike Tyson, so I'm guessing that was the higher rating. But that that must be one of the biggest non-WrestleMania pay-per-view buy rates ever. 
and the un- and Stone Cold Austin suffered a concussion like really early into that match. And I didn't realize that. I mean, I remember that match not being a great match, but just like it's another one of those ones where Cat the Undertaker has to do all of the heavy lifting. Yeah. Keeping Austin you know going, <laughs> going and, and and to show what to do. Yeah. And so yeah, he's walking wounded for a lot of that time. Then he goes through to 99 when we get the... The sort of... Sorry, just to sort of like jump in on that point then. Do you think his, let's call it pride and professionalism, um, have handicapped his in-ring style somewhat as a result going I'll tell forward? You, I'll tell you where I think it has possibly handicapped him is his obsession with MMA. But we'll get to that. We'll cross that bridge when we get to it. So then you had 99 Undertaker as well. He looked like a beast, I remember, at that time. But again, he was relatively limited he went back to being a heel and it was a different kind of heel now it wasn't even impervious to pain undertake a heel was that um corporate ministry ministry of darkness corporate ministry yeah and uh, he had a lot of people taking a bit of like bumps for him like on like raw and stuff like he had a lot of minions very injured around that time and limited uh, scope to work there, and also the the under the character felt in a bit of a rut. It didn't yeah. really. He, again, he was kind of just part of the circus at that point. You get the you get the iconic moments, and yeah. we'll, we'll touch on that more in um this next the next part of this. But and the whole robe wearing again that someone we can talk about with the myth. The whole robe wearing ministry leading Undertaker maybe could have been something that they didn't really go very far with because very soon it became corporate ministry and it was just i'm a badass tough looking dude who really yeah. hates stone cold steve austin yeah it was i remember there was a promo at the time because he was part of corporate ministry and they were doing like one of those sort of nwo promos where everyone has to chime in and, and then everyone stands around whilst the other ones are talking and the and i think vince mcmahon or shane mcmahon hands him like holds the mic to him and he just opened it with i hate everyone not not hiding that Texan accent anymore. That's <laughs> just very much to the point there, Undertaker. All right, cheers for that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but it just <clears throat> you're right. I mean, I think no one can really name a classic match in like '98, '99 off the top of my head. I mean, none certainly came to mind for me. Um, except for the Hell in a Cell. Except for the Hell in a Cell. But the Hell in a Cell with Mankind. I don't really count that as a match. Yeah. I count it more as like a really protracted angle. A, spe- a spectacle. Yeah, sort of like Goldberg, Lesnar at 33. Yeah. Um. So then we get into American Badass Biker Taker, which is, like I said, the most... Sort of, it's, it's standard wrestler. Yeah. It's a standard wrestling big man brawler powerhouse and it sort of migrate again, it kicks up the speed a notch because mm. well, he doesn't have to have this slow, ethereal nature to him. He does, but he's also, like I said, this was him at his heaviest around this time and he's not he's not in the best of shape and he's... You can tell his cardio isn't great and, and yeah. the matches suffer as a result Oh, yeah, yeah, no, no, he's, he's not at his peak athleticism, but um, biker, badass, tough guy, like, the way they move compared to the way, like, an undead character moves. Oh, well, he, he, had, he had more freedom. He was yeah. a wrestler. Yeah. Uh, he wasn't a character in a wrestling match. He was a wrestler with this... He's like, Dead Man's like a nickname. Yeah. The, 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 the mystique is gone at this point. Again, this is more we'll talk about in the second one. But... I imagine this is something from here quite comes the, From here comes the brawling. 
And he'd already incorporated that, like, I remember when he was doing, actually, just to skip back, like, sort of allusions to that in 98-99, like, he brought in a leg lock submission hold that he tried to get over that didn't really do much for him. And then in 99, I remember he had a match, I think it was Backlash, against Ken Shamrock. And you can tell at that point this was maybe somewhere that The Undertaker wanted to go down. It was very different to the standard Undertaker matches. There was a lot of grappling on the ground and and Ken Shamrock putting him into submission holds and the like. And The Undertaker having to wrestle out of that. And he sold a lot in that match. I think The Undertaker likes legit tough guys. I think there's a reason he likes wrestling Brock Lesnar. There's a reason that he... And he he will sell a lot for those guys. He enjoyed... He wanted... I think basically Undertaker wishes he could have been an MMA fighter at times. Well, you say this. The reason um, I think a large portion of his MMA stuff comes in is he always does have an MMA obsession. Um, I have a magazine on my wall, uh, Total Wrestling, dated October 2002. And at the top, in like the little blurb bit, is Undertaker saying, I'd love to give UFC a try. UFC's not even popular in 2002. Well, I don't know. I mean, is is Couture around at that point? It's it's right at the precipice of it becoming. Tito Ortiz is definitely around at this point. Yeah, but and like Shamrock's gone, so Shamrock's back in the UFC. I think. I'm trying to remember the Ultimate Fighter. I think that match was in 2004. So it's bubbling under, but it but hasn't, it's it's not on. Yeah. No, it's not. Yeah. It's not something people would just name drop for the sake yeah. of it. It's very interesting. There's another very interesting YouTube clip when you look up that Tito Santana match. Also look up The Undertaker meeting up with Matt Hughes backstage after Hughes has successfully defended the Welterweight Championship. And it's as close as you see to Undertaker marking out. <laughs> he, he kind of, he's got a big smile on his face when he's introduced to Matt Hughes and he gets to hold the, the championship belt and they're, they're chatting with each other. And yeah, you can just tell that The Undertaker loves his MMA and, and yeah. fancies it himself. He didn't really... Inco- I can't recall him incorporating much in the way of submission holds or anything at that point. Yeah. I'm trying to remember when the... But dev- bikers the didn't Gate. by their nature. Yeah, yeah. Well, I guess, yeah, it was the brawler. And, Hell's and... Gate's a lot later on. Yeah. A lot later on. Yeah. But also, of course, at this point, he's had to ditch the Tombstone pile driver, so... Yeah. He moves to the last ride powerbomb. Which was, it was a cool looking move. Uh, especially it's a pretty when visual them, move. When he would lift them really high up. Yeah. You know, with the smaller wrestlers, it would look really, really good. But he was also having atrocious matches at that time. I remember during the whole invasion angle, a lot of people saw The Undertaker as dead weight because he wasn't, he didn't really sell much for the people. And, you know, he, he apparently bad-mouthed guys like Mike Awesome and Sean O'Hare and Mark Jindrak backstage and put the kibosh on any of them getting any kind of a push or being treated equally. That's one of a myriad of problems with that the, whole The match that he, that he and Kane had against Chronic. I mean, f- after that match, Chronic were done. They, yeah. <laughs> because of how bad it was. I think Power Slam rated, ranked that the worst match of the year. And I think The Undertaker was rated the worst wrestler of the year at that point. So much ill will were held towards him. Yeah. But he did have fun with that brawling character. He had that great little run with the hardcore title. Yeah. Uh, of course, the, the Royal Rumble where he was eliminated by Maven. Again, just they'd never have done that with Deadman Undertaker. No. And there was like other little things as well, like um, his ladder match with Jeff Hardy yeah. for the Undisputed title. That Deadman Taker wouldn't have had that match. Yeah, yeah, that was that was a key match of that of that era. And, and I think it's one that's really... It's, it's, it's definitely one of the most memorable matches of that raw time. And, and it was him showing weakness as a heel, but 
that that he never showed in that 1991. Yeah, and also um, at the end when he shows a bit of respect. Sorry, spoiler. When he shows respect to Jeff Hardy despite mm. like him winning the match, mm. it it's that's something you wouldn't really have got with early I guess, I guess that's the, that leads him more to the myth but that was pres- presenting the Undertaker, I know, it blurs the the Undertaker the locker room leader yeah. I guess was what was being alluded to there I, I, actually if, if as rumours are to be heard as we record this two days before Wrestlemania uh, no not a day and a half the way we've been going on it has only been a, um, the rumour that it could be Biker Taker that, Ray, that faces John Cena <sighs> It's a curious idea, and also a wonderful bit of bookending, because when John Cena made his debut, he was not confronted, but he bumped into heel at this time, Biker Taker, who gives him a handshake of approval. Yeah. Which, again, is feeding off of that. That was at the time when JR was starting to refer to him, well, I guess more 98, 99 was when he was calling him, the conscience of the World Wrestling Federation. And again, I think that was an allusion to the, 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 you know, he was the judge. He was a little uh, tip of the hat kind of thing. Well, uh, in the Undertaker kind of way, or the JR kind of way. <laughs> <laughs> um, but then we finally switch back to Deadman Undertaker in two thousand and four, and it's a return, is... but not quite a return. He could sell, he could show pain, but it wouldn't be. It was it was a fusing of the two, really, wasn't it? It was a more because, humane well, you, version of the Zombie Taker. Yeah, well, you couldn't unfuse the two. Like the the curtain had been pulled up, and th- this is the biggest and most significant change in the in ring stylings of the Undertaker because he, he couldn't just lose all of the stuff we'd seen for three years. Um, this wasn't like, oh, we'll try a new move on a couple of Raws. This was like a massive departure. So the last ride stays in his repertoire. Um, but it's no t- longer like the, the murder, kill, death, kill finisher that, that ends the match anymore. Yeah, it's sort of it's, like it's good, um, it's backup for a close finisher. spot. Yeah. 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 And, and he. This, um, so we, we go. This is where we get to The Undertaker as a limited uh, character again. Yeah, not quite. I guess kind of special attraction at this point is he's getting he's he's not working the road every single week anymore. He he does from time to time, but he's not on TV every single week. If he's if they've not got a storyline for him, they'll hold it off. Yeah, and he does few with guys like Randy Orton and, and the like. Um, he's he's more expressive than he was a zombie yeah. taker, but obviously not talking as much as he used to as biker taker. He's wrestling and he's doing. He's he's wearing, he's wearing tights. He's actually wearing more traditional wrestling clothing than he did when he was nineties uh, Undertaker. His gloves um, start becoming more MMA like. Yeah, yeah. They're not. They're not the grey or purple, un- literal Undertaker gloves. The marigolds. Yeah, they they do become MMA gloves, which is dumb in a in a wrestling <laughs> context because. Surely that's there as protection for the opponents. <laughs> he was like, I want to hit you, but I don't want to hit you too hard. Yeah. <laughs> well, as as we, we've already brushed on it, but um, The Undertaker's like sort of relationship with MMA, it, co- it comes more to the fore here because he does incorporate a lot more like sort of 
Matt wrestling like, counters. Not Matt wrestling himself. That, yeah, but... and they have to say that he's a striker. He's the best pure striker. Pure striker in the game. In the game and all that. Yeah, sort of Michael Cole, in what, as I say, the, one of the matches I was watching for Rushmore Research, drops that in in about, like, before the bell rings. That's just literally just like, right, boom. But he's also, <laughs> he's, he's pinnable. Yeah. He's really been pinnable ever since Mick Foley, I guess, did it on him. Uh, well, he only pinned him... Well, he sort of pinned him at the... Uh, well, I don't think he, did he pin him in King of the Ring? He stopped him. Uh, but, yeah, yeah. That, well, Kane and, and Shawn Michaels and, and Stone Cold Steve Austin, I guess. The fact that Stone Cold Steve Austin kept pinning him. It wasn't a fluke to pin The Undertaker for Austin. It was something that happened. Other people pinning him was more often than not presenting as a fluke, like Vladimir Kozlov or when Jeff Hardy got him once in the SmackDown match with, a, with the leg drop over the ladder. Or yeah. um, Batista was presented as an equal of sorts. The Undertaker, like if you if you totaled the wins and losses, the Undertaker probably had four to Batista's two or yeah. something like that. But he was presented but, as a legit. Yeah, you know, smaller was, people it was, like it was Edge. Tough, yeah, or Orton are great examples of people that really had to do something beyond the pale to get a win over yeah. the Undertaker. And that, and that notion of them being afraid of him was 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 there. Um, but I mean, also this this Undertaker took a fell off of a ladder and went through a pile of tables in one match. It was yeah, it, but but it was yeah, it was always it was always SmackDown. He never had a run on Raw really after that. He was always huh? a SmackDown character until the two brands merged. Yeah, which I think was obviously partly a decision to help SmackDown out, but um, I think that added to the undertaker in a way there was sort of this like otherness to mm. to um the undertaker it's like oh if you, you've got to come to him if you want to fight the undertaker the undertaker is not going to go to you well yeah I'd but say. sometimes it was cool when the undertaker did sort of choose his opponent i mean the best example of that i can think of is when cm punk beats jeff hardy for the title in a tlc match at SummerSlam. Yeah. He's standing over Jeff Hardy. Brilliantly, the lights have flickered a few moments earlier. It's just sort of a... Was that a screw-up or was that an... You know, yeah. And then suddenly the gong. Lights go out. Lights come back up. Jeff Hardy's been replaced by The Undertaker. And The Undertaker has chosen Punk as yeah. his next... But I get what you're saying. Most of the time, it was Heidenreich attacking him. It was Luther Reigns attacking him. It was Kane attacking him for the 15th time. <laughs> oh, big show. Or Big Show attacking him for the 28th time. Uh, or the great Carly. Again, another example of Carly, like when he had that match with him and the Carly pinned him with one foot. Yeah. That was them going back to the giant Gonzalez, well, I suppose, but. I think people more saw that as like people, um, Carly being overpushed rather than Undertaker being like not humanized. But I don't know. I, I don't know how much I'm reading into that. Yeah. Um. So. Then we get to the final run of Undertaker. That is where nearly, like, the high, the, the vast majority of his matches for the past, I'd say, ten years at this point have been epic WrestleMania matches. Yeah. Like, he comes out once a year and has a long match with loads of big moves. He hits a tombstone. His opponent kicks out. He looks befuddled. And then later on, he, he hits another one, the jumping one, and wins it. That was the thing. Like, uh, obviously, if you go to WrestleMania 25, and I know it had happened. I think Batista kicked out of it at WrestleMania 23, and did the Edge kick out of it at WrestleMania 24? No, I think Edge avoided it. Mm. 
Well, he lost by submission in that, didn't he? He got trapped in the... Uh, in Hell's Gate after hitting the spear. So yeah. that was Undertaker sort of like coming from beneath. And uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, you once famously were um, telling me, obviously, Lance Storm's feelings on uh, yeah. Undertaker having Hell's Gate as a, yeah, as a manoeuvre. I guess there were several points to that. Was that First of all, the move itself is such an intricate rarity in MMA because there has to be a specific situation that calls for it. The reason that people love it is that it's a submission hole from underneath. Yeah. Where when your understanding of MMA is that the person on top usually has the control. Yeah. So it's like defense defense turning into offense as the Americans would like to say. But it's just a very it's very hard like in wrestling you don't get that natural grappling two guys on top of each other really in this day and age. No. Um and so Usually, more often than not, it's very unnatural for the Undertaker to be able to get Hell's Gate on, a, on an opponent. He famously, Lance Storm's big complaint about it was that like he literally had to lie down on the ground himself in order to execute the move. Yeah, which is just really weird and and, and not and not very aesthetically pleasing in a wrestling sense. It's, yeah, but it, as I say, it's an MMA like. Fact, like not. I don't but again, it's fact. like it's like the Undertaker being indulged in a way that maybe isn't conducive to good wrestling psychology. But it's the Undertaker who can do what he something wants. Something in the le- that's something covering the legend, uh, yeah. I imagine. Yeah, but like obviously now we think of Undertaker, we think of the streak, and that's obviously what we'll talk about more in the third episode. Really, the legend. Um, but that that became the WrestleMania match, and there's a formula to wrestling. Uh, there's always been formulas to wrestling. There's always been a formula to a tag team match. There's always been a formula to a Ric Flair match. There's yeah. always been a formula to a steel cage match back in the day. Um, yeah. But The Undertaker created that epic WrestleMania. It's like, you know, uh, people go in Super Saiyan, I suppose, if we want to go all Dragon Ball Z, but I don't exactly know what that means. Um, but you, you know think I mean? it, was it was like, was... It was like WrestleMania 20, at least WrestleMania 25. Shawn Michaels kicks out the tombstone. Undertaker looks incredulous. 26. Shawn Michaels kicks out. He looks incredulous. 27. Triple H kicks out. He looks incredulous. 28. He kicks out. He looks incredulous. 29. CM Punk kicks out. He looks incredulous. How many times is it going to happen for you to stop being incredulous at that? And how many times do you, you know does it become the boy who cries wolf? And the first time he hits the tombstone, everyone just assumes that's it. It's over. No, yeah. not anymore. Do you think that's partly because, like, the whole, to build on your point somewhat, it's a pride thing, this period of Undertaker. He, he just wants to comp- like, be part of the new style of wrestling, a new style of wrestling which includes kicking out of finishes, which includes yeah, which includes more athletic moves, because uh, obviously this is where his dive starts coming in. No, 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 he'd been doing the dive from 1997. Like, he was doing it from then. Yeah, um, but they, they were they were more frequent. They were a WrestleMania moment. I know what you mean by that. But yeah. obviously, he did that to Kane in uh, WrestleMania fourteen, and Kane sent him through the table. It was it was very much a, he saved it for a special moment, like when he would dive onto a whole group of wrestlers. I think it was at Ground Zero, the match he had to Shawn Michaels as a precursor to the Hell in a Cell match. Um, yeah, it's just. Obviously, The Undertaker has staggering agility. I don't know if he still does now that his hips are the way they are. Plastic. Yeah, and they and they took advantage of that, and, and they always should have. He's, he's a rare breed of a, a huge wrestler that has an agility. You know, obviously, there are... We've already said that about Kane. Um, 
Carly didn't have it, or he did have it actually. It's funny seeing footage of Carly before he came to the WWE because it turns out he'd had like knee surgery that completely buggered his knees up. Ah. Like, watch him like in early New Japan. He can move a bit, not not a lot, but he can move. Um, yeah, or but like Andre could move when he was younger, but obviously by the time we age watched, and yeah, alcoholism yeah. took its toll. Yeah, and just the, the, these degenerative bones and everything. Yeah. So it's a, it's it's rare. I mean, Diesel was never a great athlete. Kevin Nash. I mean, you know, he, he walks two steps and he tears his quad. As time goes, is is the is the yeah, meat. but he he had knee surgeries and all sorts, yeah. hadn't he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Obviously, but that was. I mean, his. I think his knees were buggered before he even started wrestling from all of his time in basketball. Yeah. Um. So the Undertaker, yeah, he's that rare breed of a guy that's big but is an athlete and can move, uh, that, that gets involved in wrestling. And I guess maybe in a weird way, the fact that he didn't do that kind of fast-paced wrestling in his youth was al- allowed him to have that surprise factor when he started doing it. But also he didn't have as much wear and tear. You know, he's not like Will Ospreay. <laughs> by the time he's 30, God knows what his body's going to be able to do. The Undertaker had a bit of gas in the tank, as they would say. Yeah, he was able to use on people. You know, he'd stored his boosters up, uh, like in Fast and the Furious or something like that. I'm just yeah. mixing all my metaphors now. I don't know where. Yeah, um, but you get where if, I'm coming from. Yeah. Um, to ke- like to, again to go back to build on that. Do you think if he was starting now, he'd be starting at the pace he'd be starting at now? Obviously, well, and therefore, yeah, if he was starting now, um, I don't know. I guess he'd be he'd be kind of like Baron Corbin would be the sort of position he would be. Put, he would be put in and Baron Corbin can move as well at times. Yeah. Uh, especially when he does that like sliding out of the ring big boss man spots. Yeah. Uh, Do so quite I like. guess, yeah. And also obviously they would never give a character like the Undertaker that's impervious to pain. You can't be that anymore. No. Braun Strowman isn't impervious to pain. Like he gets pinned and he's he's it big. just takes a lot to do. And it. also, because the Undertaker doesn't have that bulk, he was always quite a lean guy. Yeah, they probably wouldn't even present him as that. I think Baron Corbin, he'd be that would be sort of the the way that he'd be presented. He'd be that level of fallible mm. or infallible. He's um, yeah. I think. Do you think it's gone too far now uh, with the Undertaker and, Matt and and being in the ring? What do I think he should wrestle again? Yeah. Well. Yeah. Basically. If he can physically go, I see no reason for it. It's obvious that he was disappointed a bit in his match with Roman Reigns. I think that's probably the only reason he's doing this now. Mm. I think he's missed two great opportunities. Like from I'm blurring the lines a little bit, but from a storyline point of view, to go, that's it for me. Um, that's that. I I'll be honest, Undertaker matches don't excite me anymore. I'm not looking. I like. I keep saying this to people that go, are we excited for this fantasy Undertaker at Cena? It's like, no, I would have been five years ago. I'm not now. If it it was Cena versus The Streak, you'd be a lot more excited. (laughs) Slash nervous that Cena would be the one to break it. Exactly, exactly. Well, I've I've often documented my feelings on what should have happened with The Streak. Well, we'll save that for uh, the third episode. Where I'll Um, document them, yes, again. (laughs) Look, you won't be the last person to have a slightly disappointing final match, you know? Well, no. Ric Flair had his final match really against, I don't know, Jay Lethal or whatever it was that he ended up doing. Yeah, that was really uh, like blurry. Edge's last match was an okay WrestleMania opener with Alberto Del Rio. Yeah. It's 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 not the final destination, it's the journey. That's True. the important thing. True. Uh, and and with, like we said, with The Undertaker, it's always been much more than the matches. 
But yeah. it's good for him that he's got a lot of... Like, if you look at this... Okay, so let's go through all the four and a half, five-star matches. So you got two from 97, one from 98, one from 2000, one from 2001, one from 2002, one from 2003, one from 06. Then you've got four in 07, two in 08, one in 09... Uh, where actually, when was WrestleMania fifth twenty five? Was that was that oh nine as well? WrestleMania twenty five was oh nine. Yeah. Yeah. So two in oh nine, one in oh six, one in ten, one in eleven, and this is at the time when he's only having one or two matches. <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, basically all of his WrestleMania matches from twenty four, twenty three. 23 was four stars, 24 was four and a half stars, 25. And I'm not saying this is the be all and end all, it's just this is, it's an interesting indicator. Yeah. 25 was five stars, 26 was four and three quarter stars, 27 was four and a half stars, 28 was four and three quarters, 29 was four and a half, and then it's Brock Lesnar and it kind of goes a bit off then. <laughs> Through no fault of taking his own, he got yeah. his bell wrong early yeah. doors. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, is there anything you'd like to add before we go to Mount Rushmore, Simon? Ah, uh, no, I think we're at a pretty good place to naturally progress into Mount Rushmore. Now, the only other thing we can talk about is maybe we could talk about the gimmick matches, or would that be more part of the presentation? I, I think we should save that for the presentation. So things like the casket match, the 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 helmet and, style match, or maybe yeah, the legacy. Yeah. That might be more of it. Yeah. Okay, so what we've chosen for this stage in the Mount Rushmore's, we'll be doing three different Mount Rushmore's, is we are picking matches. What are your four Undertaker matches that will be on your Mount Rushmore? Simon, I'll let you go first as you proudly display your list uh, to me. Or at least the fact that you've written down a list. (laughs) It's not just coming off the top of your head, I guess. (laughs) So, let's hear what you Well, you know, I I, I had a a bit of spare time. Um... Do you know, just before I forget, you know the superstar tag teams? Yeah. We never once mentioned the Rock and Sock connection. How poor is that? That yeah. is. So I'm just saying, if there's one match that you're screaming out at us at this point that we don't mention, perfectly understandable. It's just, you know, it is what it is. We are we, not in we, we all We all have our gaps. We all have yeah. our memory gaps. We're just kind of working, you know, I've not, I've not gone through his entire back catalogue. <laughs> you know, I've just written down the matches that, to my mind, are coming up at that time as, as indicative of something. Yeah, and a great example of that is one of my Mount Rushmore's is something I had forgotten about until I did a little bit of research earlier today, and I'm like, oh my god, how did I forget that match? It's was, it is one of my favourite, just favourite, like, you know how everyone's got, like, a match which isn't, like, a classic, like, oh, it's... um. The Royal Rumble, um, such and such Royal Rumble, or like uh, WrestleMania 17's yeah. main event. There's, everyone's got their subdued classic matches. My first Mount it's Rushmore, gem. yeah, hidden gem. Thank you. God, my words, yeah, my words failed me then. Uh, my first Mount Rushmore is one such hidden gem. It's uh, the Undertaker versus Kurt Angle at No Way Out 2006. Okay. Um. <clears throat> little bit of personal thing for me it's around the time um i could only really see wrestling through the old antiquated medium of vhs antiquated you added an and, extra uh, uh, syllable in there so, so well yeah yeah give it a bit of extra shine 
showbiz, isn't it? Fair, to be fair, I always joke about because I went to an art exhibition uh, at the uh, at the Birmingham Art Gallery last weekend, and uh, to undercut that on my Instagram post, I put it: "See, I'm super sophisticated too." <laughs> Um, I've got a story for that. I'll save it for the end of this episode. So, um, it's, as I say, it's a match I caught on, on VHS because um, someone had thankfully recorded No Way Out for me. Uh, and it's just a really good like technical match. And it's different to the previous conceptions that every, every people obviously had from The Undertaker. You had had technical matches before this time, I accept. But um, the way he just had this sort of like map-based like counter game with Kurt Angle and then it, it just ratchets up ratchets up ratchets up the crowd helps because it's a 50-50 crowd um, there's something meaningful on the line it's for Kurt's championship and the winner was going to be the champion at Mania it's just got a great atmosphere it's got a great finish it, it, I, I just really love that match it's, it was Undertaker uh, being indulged in MMA but the guy he was in there could actually indulge him in it could actually do it yeah yeah, yeah. um so yeah, like it's just that shows like the sort of technical MMA side of the Undertaker. Um, my next pick is going to go completely the other way. I'm going to go back in time mm. to. I, I wrote down the type of match it was, but I didn't actually write down the pay per view. But it's it's Hell in a Cell match with Brock Lesnar. That's No Mercy 2002. It is No Mercy 2002. Thank you very much. Because I think that accentuates the ver- like the bro- the growing. The brawl and Undertaker has come well and truly out of his shell there. Like steel chains are used, uh, he bleeds, Lesnar bleeds, Paul Heyman bleeds. Mm. It's just an utter like brawly biker, like gritty raw bloodbath, which sums up like sort of the the gritty like edginess he wanted from the biker character. Mm. And if if you sometimes as a wrestling fan, we we love like a good double wrist lock, but sometimes we just want to see two big. Big burly dude wallop each other till red stuff goes everywhere, and that match gives you that in lashings. Yeah, lashings of claret. <laughs> uh, I am going to class up the joint now. I'm now going to go to my first of uh, the big, grandest stage of the more matches. It's one you've actually sort of already alluded to. It's his WrestleMania 24 match with Edge. Oh, okay. Um, I really like that because Edge is doing like the being the evil conniving guy who's doing everything he can to desperately defeat the streak and protect his own streak at the time. He was undefeated in singles competition going into Yeah, but he had lost in the money in the bank the year before that. that I know where he's coming from, but I wouldn't have considered that streak versus yeah, streak. He did. He did. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that was part of the fun. Um and Undertaker's just having to survive really against all these like um conniving tricks and barely gets out of it i mean the finish of the match is edge hitting him with a spear and Undertaker managing to like uh, convert that into hell's gate yeah. um i think one of the few times actually made sense <laughs> if you're landstall yeah. maybe <laughs> i don't want to speak your, much. and your final choice uh my final choice I'm going to go out on a limb here, and I think this is probably going to be our definitive one. I'm pinning our colours to the mass, slash putting you under a bit of pressure here. Uh, it's Taker Michael's career versus Streak, WrestleMania 26. Just... You're going for 26, okay. It's, it's, ah, okay, okay. I think I see where this is going. Um, but yeah, no, it's just beautiful. It's just, it's just beauty. It's art. It's, mm. it's wrestling as art. I don't need to go into more detail there. Okay. Uh... 
we had two uh, that matched, so I'm gonna have to ditch at least one of them. Oh, okay. Uh, I also had him against Kurt Angle at No Way Out 2006. Yes. And I also had him against Brock Lesnar at No Mercy 2002. Ah. Because I thought that was one of the ones. Uh, the 2006, like I said, it was Undertaker's MMA actually being indulged. Undertaker being able to work a different kind of psychology, and especially when you compare, and it was him wrestling against a, a smaller opponent in Kurt Angle, and like I said, full leg loaded 2000, like uh, four, five and a half years earlier, when Kurt Angle was the goofy comedic character, the Undertaker didn't really treat him well, and the you know everyone hated him for it online, and then you come to this point where he's he's very much treating Kurt Angle as his equal in the ring. This is bold Kurt Angle at this point. No. Yeah, yeah. Ooh, and, and, Brock, and Brock Lesnar uh, was also in my list because it was Undertaker again that fallible, weakened. He was the underdog in that match. He bled. He'd gone in buckets. with a cast on his hand, hadn't yeah, he? Yeah, yeah. And they gave him. Uh, he t- he'd had to take a painkiller shots. Yeah. The guy who couldn't feel pain until a few years earlier now needed painkillers. In order yeah. to get through a match. And that was where we had the... And just the amount of bleeding. He, I mean, there were two moments in that I remember really vividly. Him, like, wiping blood away from his... Under his eyes like they were tears. And I also remember him lying on top of Brock Lesnar after catching him with a last ride. And Brock Lesnar just clasping onto the bottom rope to break the fall. And The Undertaker just almost bleeding into his mouth. Yeah, like, I remember his blood like trickling down the the the, the chin of Brock Lesnar. It, it, for me, it's when um, you just look at just Heyman is just bloody as well. Yeah, like, yeah. This, that's just like this is mental. Yeah, it was it was pretty extreme, uh, and 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 he just he lost. I remember again a month earlier the Unforgiven match where he'd thrown Brock Lesnar through a sign, and there'd been rumours that he'd been told to lose the match, and he said he wasn't going to lose the match. And then a month later, not only does he lose, he loses fair and square in the middle of the ring. The Brock Lesnar out muscles him when he does. That was where they got the spot that they repeated when he broke the streak of him. Yeah. You know, overpowering him on the on the tombstone, throwing him up in the air and catching him. Yeah. Beating him in his own match, the Hell in a Cell match. And then I remember at the end of it, like him climbing up to the top of the cell and standing triumphant with the like that was that was the cementing of Brock Lesnar more so than in beating The Rock two months earlier. Mm. That was, uh, you know, he beat The Undertaker and he beat the shit out of him. Yeah, he, he put that The Undertaker, Undertaker down. putting over an opponent. Yeah. Undertaker didn't sit contest. up straight away after that match. No. Um, but I'm not going to... Okay, so those are the two those. that match. Yeah, I'm not going to include my other honourable... So I'm going to have an honourable mention for this, and that is his match against Rey Mysterio at the Royal Rumble 2010, I believe. And that was such a size difference, and the fact that he was still able to have a great match with him, he broke his nose very early on into it, and, and it was Undertaker working... That's the one where Ray catches him with the knee brace, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And just, he made Ray Mysterio look fantastic in that match. Uh, and just great psychology, big man, little man. Again, I guess you could have put the Jeff Hardy match, that's another sort of honourable mention I guess I could put in there as well. Yeah. And The Undertaker working someone else's gimmick in the ladder match. Um, so my four that I'm going to put in... Let's get the cane out of the way. Because, you know... Because I just... I wanted to make something that alluded to his monster era. But he never had great matches. Like, you know... But I needed to do something to that... 
early Phenom character. And it could have been Mick Foley, it could have been Mankind. You could have done Hell in the Cell, but I always see that as more of a Mick Foley thing and, and The Undertaker as a supporting player in that. So with Kane, I was torn between either the WrestleMania 14 match, and that was really... The first one with the epic multiple tombstones and everything. He had to put Kane down with three tombstones to win that match. Um, but I've gone for the the rematch a month later, which was the Unforgiven Inferno match. Which was wrestling as spectacle. And again, I remember watching that, just being awed by it. And then a few months later, I become cynical smarky smark. And suddenly he's like, oh, yeah. two and a half stars or whatever. But, you know, and also in that match, he does do the dive over the top rope onto Kane and... and Has Vader. to, doesn't he? Yeah. Fire underneath yeah. him. Um, just, so yeah, Undertaker is a spectacle. I guess that would also factor into later episodes when we do the myth and everything. Mm. Uh, so I'm including that. I'm including another match from a few months before that, which was his match with Bret Hart... At one night only in the NEC in Birmingham. Watch that match. The pace that they go for half an hour is absolutely incredible. And it's Undertaker again just wrestling a completely different... Like It was borderline all Japan intense big moves hitting each other. Him and Bret Hart. And the crowd is molten for both of them. Uh, yeah, yeah. So that's a little... Again, a hidden gem. As it were, that was that was in my honorable mentions until I bumped those two Kurt Angle and Brock Lesnar ones off of it. And I'm going to go for two WrestleManias. I wanted to limit myself to two WrestleManias. I've gone for the bread in the meat of that sandwich that you did. Well, actually, they kind of stack up against each other. I've gone for his match with Batista at WrestleMania 23 because that was where we were shocked at a match that was better than anyone expected, and it really was the starting point of those okay. great WrestleMania matches year on year on year, and then like deliberately going out to steal the show because they got put in the middle of the card. Yeah. And Batista hadn't really had great chemistry with a lot of guys, but in there, those two just had... It was Batista's coming out party, wasn't it, really? Well, I mean, I, I, you would argue that the coming out party was two years earlier when he main-evented at WrestleMania 21 ahead of John Cena, on John Cena's coronation. As well as his. Yeah. But it was against Triple H, and Triple H at times can be very self indulgent. <laughs> um, so, Batista, WrestleMania 23, and I've gone for the WrestleMania 25 match with Shawn Michaels. Because I associate, I think 25 is a bit better, as does Dave Meltzer backing me up there, giving that five stars, and the other one was four and three quarter stars. Um, I think because Shawn Michaels, I guess, kind Shawn Michaels. Uh, steals the spotlight as he would at 26 and 26 I think what people remember greatly about 26 as much as the match is the build up to the match which is all Shawn Michaels basically mm. and it was really the start of that calling out the Undertaker and the Undertaker not really answering the the call until the last <laughs> minute which was what was followed up with Bray Wyatt a few years after that and we're getting now with John Cena and to a lesser extent with CM Punk um and it was just, oh, yeah. I just, I I just think WrestleMania 25, 25 is it's the one that tops so many of the polls. It's the one that I think WWE themselves often rate as the best WrestleMania match of all time and maybe their greatest match of all time. WrestleMania 26 was good, but it was a sequel, not the original. And I know you could also go for the Hell in a Cell match in 97, and I was tempted, but I set myself rules. We discussed this on Messenger. You didn't have to follow these rules, but I set myself rules of one match per wrestler. Yeah, I could have just as easily have gone with the Hell in the Cell match with Shawn Michaels at WrestleMania and at, uh, Bad Blood 1997. I could have just as easily because I, I, the Michaels was the problem. That's that's why I we had this discussion. 
um, I twenty five. I was debating do I put twenty five and twenty six in, and to me, to me, twenty six is better than twenty five. To me. Okay, well we've got the to pick our, <laughs> Yeah, we've got to pick our definitive one. And I think we've got to go with the WrestleMania one personally. I think we have to. Yeah. And I think it's got to be a Shawn Michaels one. And yeah. I would argue WrestleMania 26 is Shawn Michaels' story. WrestleMania 25 is Shawn Michaels and The Undertaker's story. Ah. It's a tough one because it, it if we have to pick a definitive one, it is one of those two WrestleMania ones. Um, and it's, uh, well, it, to me, oh, I really want to put a tie in because they're both really, mm-hmm. really, really good. Oh, it's tough. I, I, I don't think, I really don't think you could really pick between them. As I say, the reason I, I picked did. 26 is, <laughs> oh, well, yeah, you did and I did. But to me, that's down to personal preference. I, 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 if you like, look at them objectively, I mean, even well, Meltzer could barely pick between them if we're going off his star rating but as he well. Did. He did. <laughs> God, you'd stop Paxmaning me. You are so Paxmaning me right now. Is Paxmaning short for good? <laughs> oh, God. You're on form tonight. Um,. Oh, no, I, I, I'm sticking with 26. I'm <laughs> that, sticking that's... with 25. I think we're at an impasse here. <laughs> I really, really do. But if I, I like backed into a corner, I, I'm I'm backing 26. <laughs> I'm backed into a corner as well. We're on two opposite corners. Yeah, <laughs> we've got to come meet in the middle somewhere. How about we ditch them both and go for Hell in a Cell? Ah, oh, no. Because that's more a spectacle than a match. But The Undertaker's about spectacle. Spe- <sighs> spectacle Summit will cover at a different point. I honestly think it's. I honestly think we should forego. Like when ben- WrestleMania 26, when that match ends, it's all about Shawn Michaels leaving. Well, WrestleMania 25 was these two had one of the best matches of all time. Yeah. Both The Undertaker and Shawn Michaels. WrestleMania 26 was Shawn Michaels had an incredible match and it's ended an incredible career. But well, to be fair, they both they both had an incredible match at 26, and you can't really handicap a match for what I think. I honestly, I've honestly never rated 26. I wouldn't go the full five stars of 26 because it's too tied down to other stuff. 25 was just this could be good. Oh my god, this is fucking incredible. 26 was. This should be fucking incredible. Oh my god, it's incredibly good. Ah, uh, again, I, 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 I just think that I thought twenty six was it amped up to another I level. I just think I just think that was the start of it being weighed down by the bloat that then followed up by WrestleMania twenty seven, where Triple H. I mean, that's a really divisive match uh, in the in the audience's opinions, and I think twenty six begat that, and then that begat twenty eight, which. Reined it back in. Well, it didn't rain it back in because it got all three of them involved. Yeah, but again, you're, you're judging a match for things beyond the match itself, and like, I don't think you can really do that. I can, yeah, but I can judge the match in and of itself, and twenty five is a better match because twenty six requires references to previous matches and previous angles. 
25 is a perfectly hermetically sealed match between maybe two of the greatest wrestlers of all time. Uh, I don't know. 26 I, I, was a match between two people who'd had one of the greatest matches of all time. I, don't know, I, just, I just think they topped it at 26. That's, that's just me. I think, we, look, I think we're just going to have to agree to disagree. I, know, uh, I, think, I think the vast... Like, if there was a Metacritic of wrestling matches, if you took all the polls and all the critics and all the fans... 25 will rank ahead of 26. I think it has at every poll that you've seen. Well, yeah. Yeah. I, like, I, I would concede that the scorecard would be ahead if you polled everyone. But I just think, look, I'm just saying, we're looking at The Undertaker's great matches. Yeah. That was Shawn Michaels' great match with The Undertaker. No, no, I think it was their great match. For Shawn Michaels. For both of them. No. Because The Undertaker then went on and had his matches with Triple H, and then he had his match with CM Punk, and then he has a match with Brock Lesnar. He went on with it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't see how that links. Cause... I do. No. <laughs> I, that, you've lost me there. I, I, I just think, as a match, bell to bell, it's a really great match. And I, as I say, I think we are just going to have to agree to disagree. I don't agree to that. <laughs> <sighs> it is what it is, unfortunately. I mean, I, I, I don't see either of us budget. How about this? Here we go. WrestleMania is going to happen, right? Let's what? make our predictions. Okay. At whoever gets the most correct, their choice gets to be the definitive one. Okay, I'll play that game. Okay. Oh. Right. Okay. We can both pick the same matches. Just obviously. Well, tactically, it doesn't begat us to do that. <laughs> no, but... And we'll take it in turns... All right, okay, all right, there's 14 matches. So we each get to take a turn of being the one to pick the winner. Yeah. Oh, okay. But we also... We were allowed two... We're allowed two whammies that we can both claim the same winner. But we can... So there are four that we... Four matches can be the same choice. We both have two. So if we're second choices... So we, we can seven... only copy each other twice. Yeah, basically. we can only copy each other twice. Right, I'm with you. Okay, so how do we decide who goes first from here? Coin flip. But from how do we prove who got what? We're on Skype. Come on. Where's your sense of imagination? I know. No, what we'll do is odds and evens, right? Okay. So do you want odds or evens? And then we've just got to produce. We've got to show a hand of a certain number of numbers. And the combined number, if it's an odds, you win. If it's evens, I win. Or something like that. Ah, okay. Okay. I'll have, I'll have odds. Odds. Okay, so I've got evens. So after three, we put our hand up with however much we want. Yeah. I've got evens, you've got odds. Yeah. One, two, three. Ah, you gamesman. I, I put up two. Simon put up two. That means it's four. So I get evens. So I get first choice. But we'll go by the order of the matches as listed on Wikipedia. I think that's the fairest way. Yep. I just realised I get the main event then. Not necessarily. Well, it depends what they define as the main event. <laughs> so we get two whammies. So we can... So you've got a second choice. So you, you can take my choice. But you know, Twice. Has, yeah. And I can yeah. take your choice twice. Okay. All right. Now when it gets to the trouble... Okay, so the Andre the Giant Memorial Battle Royal. You're going first here. <laughs> I'm going to go with Bray Wyatt returning. 
Ooh, what to win it? Yeah. Okay. Um, I will have broken Matt Hardy. Okay. So now you get the second choice, which is the women's battle royal. Oh, bastard. Uh... Shayna Baszler. You're going for Shayna Baszler? Yes. I... You see... It's tough, part isn't of it? Thinks it? Like, they're setting it all up... They're building it all up around Banks and Bailey. But does that mean they cost each other the match? This is it. This is the thing. So, I'm... For me, it's a pick between Banks, Bailey, and Becky Lynch. Oh, yeah, yeah. Could be. They're all good choices. I'm going to go with Becky Lynch. Oh, okay. Okay, so this next one, I've got first choice for Cedric Alexander against Mustafa Ali. Yeah. Now, to me, it feels like the Cruiserweight division has always been built around eventually getting it to Cedric Alexander. Like, it felt like Neville was being built up for Cedric to beat him. It felt like Enzo was being built up for Cedric to beat him. So, for that reason, I'm going to go with Cedric to win this. But it's not, it's like, it's a tight one. So, are you going to use one of your two steals to also pick Cedric, or are you going to go with Mustafa Ali? No, I'm going to save my steals. I'm going to Mustafa Ali it. Okay. That's a decent pick. That's a decent shout. Oh, actually... Look what they've got listed as fourth on this. I know, I know. Ruth I'm looking Lesnar at the list. Roman Reigns. And I get first pick as well. Yeah, you get first pick. Uh, I'm off Roman Reigns. I'm going to use one of my whammies. Yeah, I, I don't called. blame you. I'm going to also pick Roman Reigns. So I only get, I've only got one more left after that, and you still have two. I still have both my whammies. I have a feeling I may you. Uh, well, it may not be for much longer that I have both my whammies. Okay, so AJ Styles against Shinsuke Nakamura. Now, I would have always gone AJ Styles until the talk about him having a knee injury. Mm. But I'm still going to go with AJ Styles. Oh, I get to keep both my whammies. Uh, Nakamura. AJ Styles, you've gone for Shinsuke. That might that that might come to back to beat me in the arse. Uh, bite me in the ass. But I just think if he can do a springboard, his knee's going to be alright for the time being. Yeah. And I just don't think Vince sees that much in Shinsuke. Okay, so this is your pick now. Uh, um, the Miz versus Seth Rollins versus Finn Balor. Now, okay, like, now yeah, just, be, just to clear something up quickly early doors, um, the, the 14th match isn't actually listed on here. Are we just making that match number 14? Yeah, what is that match? Cena oh, Undertaker. Cena Undertaker. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, okay, cool. Back to the task at hand. Um, I fancy Mr. Retain. Mr. Retain? Because he lost on Raw, I'm going to put Finn Balor to win. Ah, see, he was my, like, yeah. But I just get a feeling they want to do, like, they want Miz to break that um, IC title record. Yeah, but, like, he can win it again. That could be kind of the storyline, that he's desperate to win it. So that he can then hold on to it to break the record. Yeah. Okay. Right. So, now you've got the Fatal 4-Way. Fatal 4-Way. Randy Orton, Bobby Roode, Jinder and Rusev. Calls Rusev the recent addition. I'm going to go with Rusev. 
thought you'd I think do. that'll be like a Zack Ryder moment. Thought you'd do that. Um, I'm, I'm trying to think tactically well. here. No, I'm, I'm, even though my heart says Rusev will win it, I am, I'm going to try and go against the grain. Um, ah, I think there's too many feel-good moments lined up at this mania. Sod it. Jinder Mahal. Jinder. Yeah. Okay, and of course, if it goes to either Bobby Roode or Randy Orton retains, I mean, you've got to expect an RKO at some point. Oh, yeah. I'm wondering if I should go to Orton, actually. Yeah, you've picked now. Come on. <laughs> oh, I can change my mind. Oh, boo. I'll leave it. Alexa Bliss versus Nia Jax. I pick first, don't I? Um, yeah. Nia Jax. Okay, I'll keep Alexa Bliss, because Vince loves her. So. Yeah, you, yeah. I, I just think that story comes to a good conclusion. I would have probably maybe. picked Nia Jax, too, but... I'm fine with not using one of my whammies. We're yeah. probably misusing what the term whammy is, but, you know. Ah, well. Charlotte versus Asuka. Now, I'll be honest, when I sent a prediction earlier this week, earlier today to a friend of mine, I went with Charlotte. But... Because <sighs> I honestly think they kind of... I think they're now looking at the streak as a bit of a millstone. Because, like, they were forced to give Asuka and Miz the mix match challenge which I don't think they probably wanted to do at first. I don't think Vince is sold on the Asuka character, personally. It's just a question of how much Triple H is willing to sort of defend her to the end. And the obvious money match is Asuka against Ronda Rousey. But do you put Ronda Rousey on SmackDown anyway, if if not Asuka goes for it? you got ways of getting the belt off Asuka without Asuka I think, you, I think you have to... Only because I think they have to set up an undefeated Asuka against Ronda Rousey is the reason I'm going for Asuka. But I would not be shocked if Charlotte Flair won it, and I wouldn't be shocked if you didn't sacrifice a whammy. Oh, well, that's exactly what I'm going to do. But you are going to sacrifice a whammy. Yeah, I'm going to have Asuka as well. Okay. Okay, so next we've got The Bar against Braun Strowman and a name to be decided. Uh, I'm going for Braun and his mystery mate. Okay. I am not because I've just looked at what my next choices are. (laughs) I think it's possible, you know, if he picks someone like James Ellsworth, or they might just not want to give him the tag team belt, so a tag team partner can eat the loss, or, you know, say he picks Lars Sullivan, who they want to bring onto the main roster, but then Lars Sullivan turns on Braun Strowman or gets deliberately counted out or something. Yeah, setting up a monster match, so it's not impossible. Uh, you know, I, 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 I'll be honest. I would have probably gone with Braun, but I'm okay with going with the Bar. Yeah. So next we have the Usos against the New Day against the Bludgeon Brothers. It seems like they're being set up for the Bludgeon Brothers to become the tag champs. But the good thing about a triple threat match is you can keep it off of them. They can lose without losing. Yeah. But I do have quite a lot of baby faces going over in my internal booking. So I will go with the Bludgeon Brothers for this one. Uh, are you going to use a whammy? It's tough because I've got to try and do gamesmanship and see what you'd pick for your other pick. Mm. Um... 
oh, my heart's overruled my head. No, I'm not going to use a whammy. Um, which means I may have wasted a whammy here. Uh, we so can go is... back and alter if you want to go back and make... No, 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 no. That, 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 that would be cheating. I'm going to do this the right way. Um, new Day. You're going for New Day? Yeah. I can see that. Uh, so this is your one now. Uh, Kurt Angle and Ronda Rousey against Triple H and Stephanie. Now, everyone's probably going to pick the obvious one here and I ultimately will too but as much like you had with Charlotte Asuka, I've got this with this match I I just get a feeling Rousey's going to turn on Kurt, I, I don't know why, just, just in my head there's just something so... I think that's the roar after Wrestlemania that you do that Maybe, maybe, maybe. You obviously, you want your good feel-good moment here. Maybe, maybe you don't. Maybe you want people to talk about what Rousey did at Mania, and you want to get that hype going into the Raw after Mania. Yeah, but the way you get people to talk about what Rousey did at WrestleMania is you have a tap out Stephanie McMahon. True, is one way of doing it. Um, but no, I'm going to pick Kurt and Ronda. Yeah, I'm. I'm using my second whammy for that. Cool. That's why I didn't use it for the bar because yeah. I figured. So. I have to go with the opposite of your pick for the last one. And you can use a whammy on this one. Because Daniel Bryan and Shane McMahon against Kevin Owens and Sammy. I can so see them having Shane turn on Daniel Bryan and reinstating Kevin Owens and Sammy Zayn. But at the same time, you're like, how can you have Daniel Bryan lose on his, on his comeback? Back? Yeah. But then you think... That's exactly the sort of thing Vince McMahon would do. Yeah. But they could just say, this is the end of the feud. Daniel Bryan wins it. Then they go on elsewhere with SmackDown. Maybe he goes off and fights with AJ Styles and Shinsuke immediately for the belts or they do something different. And just have Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn join up on Raw. Yeah. Very easy storyline you can do. And so for that reason, I'm going to go with Daniel Bryan and Shane McMahon. Oh yes! Thank God you picked that because the uh, yeah second whammy right there, Brian okay. and Jay. Um, I'm going with my heart, and also to add to your logic, um, there is a roster refresh due right just after Mania, and they can start it early. Okay, and so the final one, Simon, who are you picking if John Cena faces the Undertaker? I think it has to be John. Okay, I'm happy with going with Undertaker. Yeah. It's one of those, it's marginal, but I don't know. It's got, for me, it's just got to be John. Okay, to go through that again. For the Andre the Giant Battle Royal, I have Bray Wyatt winning. You have Matt Hardy winning. For the <laughs> Women's Battle Royal, I have Becky Lynch winning. You have Shayna Baszler. Now, I think she's winning that NXT Women's title. You can win both. Yeah, but I don't see why you would. If you do that, it's to graduate them to the main roster, like what happened with Baron Corbin. Or what happened with Paige, or what happened with Asuka in terms of like coming up without losing the title. Yeah, but that's that's a one-off. I don't think they want to do that again. Twice. Like, the, it happened twice. Which was the second one? So Asuka retired the title to go up to the main yeah, roster, yeah. and Paige came up to the main yeah, roster. Yeah, but you don't retire it straight after you've won it. And yeah. I think this, and Shayna Baszler isn't the complete package yet. I can see them bringing her in as Ronda Rousey's muscle eventually, as like her Arn Anderson. Yeah. But Okay, so... I've gone for Becky Lynch, you've gone for Shayna Baszler. I've gone for Cedric Alexander, you've gone for Mustafa Ali. I've gone for Roman Reigns using a whammy, and you've gone for Roman Reigns. So that cancels it out. 
I went for AJ Styles, you went for Shinsuke Nakamura. I went for Finn Balor, you went for Miz. I went for Rusev, you went for Jinder Mahal. To be honest, looking at that, I think we're both going to be wrong there. Yeah. I went with Alexa Bliss, you went with Nia Jax. I went with Asuka, you used a whammy to also go with Asuka. I went with The Bar because you went with Braun Strowman and his mystery partner. I went with the Bludgeon Brothers. You went for the New Day. We both went for Kurt Angle and Ronda Rousey. We both went for Daniel Bryan and Shane McMahon. You went for John Cena. I went for The Undertaker. Yeah. And whoever wins this bet gets their Shawn Michaels versus The Undertaker match as the definitive one at the at the many carvings of Mount Rushmore we're going to be doing when we finally get round to getting that planning permission. <laughs> and now I think a shit ton of cane. I think a lot of people will be backing, hoping you win it, obviously, because I do think the popular vote does lie with you. Mm. Um, is you there... you're a hipster. <laughs> no, no, but, like, you, like it, is, it is what it is. Is there a pick of mine that you're surprised about, or a pick of yours you were quite reluctant to do? Um, I can see Shinsuke winning. I think I'm putting my neck out for that one, just because of AJ Styles' apparent injury. Uh, I really, 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 really wanted to go with Charlotte Flair, but I'll go with Asuka. <laughs> I kind of hope I'm wrong with all, at least one of these, though, because uh, otherwise it'll be another accumulator I'll be kicking myself for not doing. Oh, yeah, you should have done the Asuka one. Well, I, don't, I, th- I think I was going for the favourite in the majority of those things, so I think accumulatively... It would have been maybe ten to one odds. I would have got. I think. Yeah, yeah. It's better than nothing. But are you going to be doing an accumulator? I know you've cursed Vince McMahon's name in the past because of him screwing up your. I have missed by one at twenty nine. That that's the closest I've got with WrestleMania. I will. I will be putting money down. Um, Yeah. Will 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 any of them be different to this, or will you? I'm guessing you won't bother with the battle royals because that's too up in the air. Uh, No, battle royals have cost me before. I remember so, um, when so, I put so... a double on Sandow and Sting at 31, which was what I thought should happen, and then just had <laughs> my... That's the problem. Like... <laughs> thinking, like, like, you're thinking what's logical, and then you've got to think what Vince McMahon's thinking, but Vince McMahon will only think that for a couple of matches. Yeah. Like, putting Chris Jericho over AJ Styles and, and shit like that. <laughs> so, okay, would any of these you change, then, when you do your accumulator? So I'm guessing you're not doing the WrestleMania Battle Royals. Will you, will you do the Cruiserweight? Um, I'm probably not. Okay. Um, I well, I'm you I would put the Bludgeon Brothers in. You'll put I... money on Roman Reigns. You put money on Shinsuke. Would you yep. put money on Miz? Um, I, that's that's a gam- That's a gut call for me. Um, Do you think you might leave that out? You accumulate. I probably would have had Finn, but I wanted it. There's just something in my gut that's just saying the Miz is just going to like win it. I think Miz is going to break the record. I agree with you there, but that doesn't mean he has to win it this it this time. This time, yeah. Uh, and I think and... that'd be more fun him chasing the belt and trying to win it rather than him holding onto the belt and trying not to lose it. I think that's yeah. a much more intriguing because the whole thing about it is him, him sneaking a win out and everything, and so him having to try and win it through legitimate means or as close as he comes to legitimate means. Uh... And Bludgeon Brothers, I would. I'm, I'm going to put Bludgeon Jinder Brothers. Mahal, are you still happy with that? No, I would have put Rusev in if I was putting money on it. Oh, okay, so you would have put um, Rusev. Okay. That was a tactical one because it's match seven, and I, that, yeah, I did. I'm happy with both the whammies I use later on. So, I'm sure that's not all whammy is, but it's not bad. It's not a bad system. This, yeah. Know? Maybe we could do it on a more monthly basis and uh, limit ourselves to only one whammy, as we're calling them, for the small for the fewer matches. 
might yeah. not be a bad idea. A little season long wager or something. Yeah. Like golf rounds, you know, hole after hole. Yeah, it's intriguing. Anyway, until then, though, Simon, until next week, because we're going to, instead of it coming out in a two-week block, we're going to try and get this out, the, the follow-up one next week, and then the, the, the myth will come out next week, and then the legend will come out the week after that. Uh, but until then, Simon, how can people get in touch with you? Uh, people can to get in touch with me. for your lost money. <laughs> <laughs> uh, people can get in touch with me on Facebook. They can get in touch with me. Um at Simon Cross Free on Twitter, so named because we are free is the first numeral um, for this and the previous few WrestleManias. Um, I may change it to Simon Cross Four in time. <laughs> Don't know. Um, what was I going to say? Yes, you can also um, get in touch with us via the Facebook page, which we will update at some point. <laughs> you will update it at some point. Will you, Simon? <laughs> but the Tito Santana Undertaker matchup. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, we'll throw that in. We'll throw that in. Okay. Yeah, my name's Lorcan Mullen. That's L-O-R-C-A-N-M-U-L-L-A for Apple N in the names of, in the style of future Hall of Fame inductee Jeff Jarrett. Uh, that is my Twitter handle. That is my Instagram account. If you put an at gmail.com at the end of it, that's my email address. If you want to look up my ebook, Confessions of a Smart Wrestling Fan, go to Amazon and download yourself a copy of that. And until then, I think that's it for me. We'll see you next week when we talk about the myth of The Undertaker, by which we mean the presentation, the bells and whistles, the production value quality of it. And until that time, my name's Lorcan Mullen. My name's Simon Cross. Thank you for letting us tell you something. Have a great time. Until the next time, farewell. Why don't you say what if you like to sleep with your own sister?